training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Oh, hello there. Welcome back to the Pendola Project. This is episode 69, work plus rest equals success. We're going to talk about things today like how do you move more? How do you get that extra work that your body needs to make sustainable changes? But what comes next? Because that's the part that people often forget is the rest is just as important as the work, if not more, to be honest, because that's the thing that I always forget about. For example, my sleep, my nutrition, maybe some active recovery. What am I doing in those off days or even off hours to make the work that I have done really worth it? Matt and Aaron go into things like moving more efficiently and effectively, some new technology and how to use it at your home, and then your nutrition, the staples of your nutrition, and does that include supplements? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. While we're all dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic, it is essential that you keep yourself motivated. That's why we are here to help you with some advice. Hopefully this will help you with your training program, your progressions, and get you ready back to the gym when the time comes. As always, keep in touch via email. You can email pendolaproject at gmail.com. Send us your voice memos too if you want to be on the show. And then follow us on Instagram at pendolaproject. You can also DM us there. That's it for me for now. Let's get on with it. Work plus rest equals success. Episode 69 with Matt and Aaron. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Matt Pandola with the Pandola Project. Hi, guys. It's me, Aaron Pandola, back with you. By popular request and demand, we appreciate all the positive emails and affirmations about what we've been discussing in this last week. Erin is one of those people that gives a strong perspective with all of her years of experience and also the female perspective. And that's what we've been hearing back from you guys. You like the female perspective. I guess I would count somewhat as the male perspective or maybe Jake does more than me. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) What did we do this weekend? What was our weekend like? Well, we went on our second of our new family Sunday hike tradition that we started last week. We went up to Hidden Valley where, Matt, I know you are very familiar with, with all the trails back there that you run with Lily. But for Mia and myself, it was a new experience. And gosh, she just had a blast running up those canyons and climbing on the rocks and she just couldn't get enough of it. So that was that was pretty fun to watch her experience that. I know I'm not really big on putting up our family pics as far as the on the gram is what I say nowadays on the gram. You're so cool now. But uh, it was it, it it might do it justice what we're talking about to show you a picture of the canyons we went up. I mean these were some nice sheer kind of steep cliffs almost on each side of us and some drainage coming through the canyon at the time. Mia had never really seen anything quite like this before except for at our ranch and that was something that was always very special to her to be able to go to the ranch and go on these hikes and when we say this is a new tradition it's just that since uh, your family actually sold this ranch that we're talking about now and we decided let's bring that tradition here to Reno. Let's start to find some of these canyons that are similar. What we love so much about going on these hikes in this, um, in this experience, let's bring that to Reno. And I've been going through the canyons and exploring the different trails for years and years. I know a lot of these canyons like the back of my hand, but it is so surreal watching Mia for the first time see these things and experience these things and to think back 20 years ago when I first started discovering some of these trails in Reno when I first moved here I of course had no idea at the time that one day I'd be watching my daughter discover these canyons for herself yeah she just loved every second of it and she was it was great watching you guys, you know, she following behind you and say, okay, do it like this. And, you know, jumping from side to side across the, the water and figuring out where to put her feet and how to scramble up the side of the canyon. She just, she really enjoyed that a lot. 
She's she's been very inquisitive lately about horses, and she really wants her own horse one day. So we also had a section there. I know that wild horses are a part of Nevada, and we take it for granted sometimes, but you can see these wild horses at Hidden Valley, especially if you know where to go at the time of day they're at. And Mia was just just it was like magical for her to just look at these horses up close and by the way we don't feed the horses we stayed in our vehicle but we're just watching and looking and just admiring and we must have sat there for about 30 40 minutes and Mia she probably would have stayed there all day if we let her oh yeah she that was I mean she does do horseback riding well previous to the the, the closure but she'll get back into that but you know it's a once a week thing so for her to be able to still have some connection to that by just like say even being in the truck and having the window down and just they kind of come up because they're they're used to people feeding them and you know so they see a car and they're thinking oh these people are going to feed us so they approach and like matt said you know we don't get out of the car we're respectful but just her being able to see all these horses at once i think you know filled some of what she's been missing the last few weeks yeah so we'll move on to what today's episode is about work plus rest equals success this is something that is ingrained it's literally painted on our floor in our facility i had an intern years ago do that that intern he was one of my athletes in high school and now he's actually a rep for on the shoe company He's been doing really, really well in the trail racing circuit and also obstacle racing world. So, Carrie Dunnigan, if you're listening, your words that you wrote all those years ago, or I should say painted, are still here on the floor and reminding our athletes every day that they come in here that work plus rest equals success. It's not just the work alone. And, of course, we want to start talking today about how we can move towards that type of progress what type of stress are we talking about here and really what do we mean by rest one hand washes the other here so aaron what do you think about when i say work plus rest equals success well with the idea being that you you have the mindset that the harder i work the more i work the better I'm going to be at something, which is true, yes, to a point. But having the the opposite side of that is treating your, your body and your mind with the rest and recovery because you can't just be at 100% work all the time. If you don't take the proper amount of rest and recovery, then all that work you did probably won't amount to very much. Moving more is always such a basic fundamental aspect that oftentimes gets overlooked. And I think it's because it's so simple. The simplest things I think we take for granted. It's almost like we think that you have to get more complex if you want better results. But yet a lot of times talking to people, realizing that they haven't actually been paying a lot of attention to the basics first, and they're getting a little bit more down the rabbit hole when it comes to a certain nutrition plan or training plan. And they have very specific questions for us when it comes to those things, but yet they don't know what their set points are. So for example, when I say set points, we can just take your total minutes that you might move in a week. I call them Matt's minutes. Just this is something I've been doing for years where I'll give my athletes a simple equation. And that's that every 10 minutes can equal a mile if they're runners, for example, and that's when they're running easy. But then also just non-impact cardio exercise. So if, if they're doing just some biking, some some walking I consider to be non-impact. It's really low impact, but it falls into that category. And so various movements there that fall into what we overall want to know about how much we're actually moving in a day, in a week, in a month can really help us make better decisions about not only our energy expenditure, but seeing it as a recovery tool as well is super, super important. Yeah, you need to kind of know 
what as Matt is saying, your set point. So what what you're used to or what you where you're starting from, so you know where you need to end up and and the ways to get to that point. So for me, you know, moving more can be as you know, going for a 20 minute walk every morning just to get that, get yourself going. And then, you know, from there, obviously you can up the intensity or how you want to do that, but to keep it simple, just, yeah, go for a walk in the morning, get some fresh air. So in general, when you're putting in, let's say you have a set point of 300 minutes a week that you've adjusted to. So we're going to assume this is somebody that is a little bit more experienced and now they're hitting a plateau are we going to move up to 350 minutes that week? Are we going to compare that to the amount of total calories we're getting in? So we might have, let's say, a slight deficit in our calories if we're trying to lose some body fat of 250 calories, we'll say. And will those changes make enough change for us to be able to recover, respond, repair, and get the success we want out of all the work that we're doing. So the reason why we say work plus rest equals success is because we have to look in a positive way as that work being a stress. It can be a positive stress, but it's still a stress on our bodies. And how is it affecting us? And when we have a caloric deficit, that can be another stress on our bodies as can be a surplus. So all of these things do carry over. We want to look at our total energy system development plan. We want to know how these things are affecting us. And if we make big changes all at once, we may not know what's working or if it's not working, why it isn't working. Yeah. And the, you know, being able to 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 see okay what i'm what i'm eating and um how i'm recovering what how how is that fueling my body the the best way possible you know if if you need to eat and recover so you can perform the activities that you want to do on a daily basis then that's pretty important you know you can't not eat and recover well and then expect to go out and say i mean for me it would be taking a martial arts class and giving it my giving it my all and having good technique and power and all those things that I need to to perform well if I haven't you know done my homework and been good about my recovery and my nutrition yeah and a big mistake that even I made in the past at some points in my training was I figured if I was putting the same amount of stress on my body but then I'm going to, let's say, create a big enough deficit where I can really get shredded, right? And look good for the summer, or whatever the goal might be, or even performance-based to be able to run that faster 5K. In those periods of time, I would at times lose too much weight at once. And because of that, I'd lose too much muscle. And I misinterpreted that a lot of times as when I run more, I'm going to lose more muscle. And it's really because I was creating too much of a deficit all at once. My body was basically overly stressed and I was overreaching in my training. I didn't have enough recovery in the sense of calories that could help my body stay strong and lean. And ironically, my body fat would be the part that went up where my lean muscle tissue went down. And so then I would actually lose some performance and run slower in that 5K than I could have or should have been able to run. Yeah, I think people confuse the aesthetic example thinking, okay, yes, if I have if I only eat X amount of calories a day and then I work so, so hard in the gym or, or running or whatever it is that you choose, then I'm going to look great. Well, yeah, that'll last for a little while, but I think eventually you're you're going to not feel so great, and that's where you might think, "Wow, okay, this isn't working. I've got to I've got to figure out how to balance this a little better and not be so concerned about the way I'm looking, but more about the way I'm feeling." And I think I have learned that as I've gotten older. I don't think that just came when I was, you know, in my 20s, let's say, but now for sure. Yeah, I don't think I always completely understood, or I know I didn't always completely understand the training effects. And when I was younger, part of it would be, in my mind, I was a hard gainer. 
And really, that became an excuse because I wasn't so much of a hard gainer as I thought. It was more about the fact that I wasn't supporting the training effect I was trying to have as much as I should have been. And it was because oftentimes I just looked at what somebody else was doing. If I wanted to look like them, I would train like them. If I wanted to run like them, I would train like them. And that actually that can possibly work if that person is close enough to your attributes and your traits. But oftentimes, it's not going to be in the big picture of things. It's not going to be the best approach. You still have to find your own variations to things. When I would try to bulk, for example, I just went straight to 5,000 calories a day. Just didn't matter. I would just get in 5,000 calories a day. And by the way, it didn't really matter what the calories were. Just get them in. A lot of times it was in weight gainer shakes and things like that. And again, I might gain 10 pounds and be happy about that because now I hit my goal weight. The problem is I also gained a lot of fat in that process because I was taking in so many fillers and I wasn't getting the stimulus my body needed to really build the proper lean tissue I wanted. So I learned over time that it wasn't about adding all of a sudden another thousand or 2000 calories a day to my program, making myself sick even because I was eating so much or in other cases, people who are starving themselves because they're eating so little. It seems to me that when you take those approaches, you do see that scale move in the direction you want to see it move very quickly. The problem is it's a false positive. It's like you've hit a summit and you think that that's your true summit, but it's not. By the time you get there, you realize that it's a false summit and your real goal is well ahead of you. But the thing is, you're actually behind the game when it comes to your results because you have more body fat, less muscle tissue than you started out with. Yeah, I think of it like quality versus quantity. So I would rather have more quality, less quantity. And that can go for um, exercise, that can go for food, that can go for sleep, you know, all of those things. If that's in my mind, how I like to think of it, quality over quantity. So that can be used across all those subjects. Was there ever a time when you felt like you needed just more variation in your programming you just, it didn't even have to make sense. In other words, I don't care if it makes sense to anybody else. I just want to do something different now. And it doesn't necessarily fall into any plan or program that gets written up ahead of time, but I'm just going to do it because I want to do it. Something's telling me I want to do it. I want to try it. Yeah, I, I still have variety. I mean, that's where you and I maybe differ a little bit. I probably still have more variety in, in my training. But yeah, I, I used to try to not repeat a single movement in any workout, you know, over the course of a month or more. So it'd be like, okay, how many different movements can I do each week, you know, and then the next week, okay, how many different movements can I do this week? And I would even in my beginning days of training, when I'd write up programs for clients, I mean, one workout could have, you know, 15 movements, which is, you know, kind of ridiculous when I think about it now. But that was my idea. The more variety, the better. And, you know, I still to a degree like variety because I can get bored easily. But the idea that, you know, yeah, you've got to make your make your training count and you have to get used to certain movement patterns so you really know how to use them effectively. If you don't know how to use these patterns effectively, you could do 100 movements and they're not really going to benefit you that much. Yeah, no, these are really good points that people oftentimes get confused on. And I'll give you an example, at least to me, why it can become confusing. We have training in our facility now or again before the virus but when we were training our complement that we would get a lot of times from executives in our morning class was it's never the same workout twice it's always different and we love that and that's where i think also some of the confusion can set in because they're 
I'm glad that they feel that way, especially because they don't want to get bored. But when you look at how the training is actually progressed and broken down, there's a lot of science behind that progression. And they're actually following the same archetype and the same strength progressive overload, for example, for that archetype. And when I say archetype, guys, I can talk about, let's just say, the deadlift. And so that is the archetype that we're training, which is a hip hinge type of movement, but it doesn't mean that always has to be the deadlift as you know it. It can be a lot of different hip hinge type of movements that are combined or even spread throughout a training progression. So that client doesn't get to board, but also because not all movements are created the same for everybody. And that's where it's really important to know what good auxiliary movements can be for different people. We obviously would not give the same archetype, a same heavy, let's say, hex bar deadlift to Les Nesbitt um, as we would to Joey Gilbert. So Joey Gilbert, for those of you who don't know, professional boxer, Les Nesbitt, professional hunter, but Les is now about 70 years old and Joey's 79. 79. Sorry, Les. I know. See, you're so much younger at yeah, heart, right? That's we, true. It's hard to remember that he's, okay, so 79 versus Joey, who not that long ago was ranked in the top 10 in the world as a boxer. So we obviously want to give them some different progressions and consider their gym age, but also what they enjoy and, of course, their injury history or if they're currently even dealing with certain niggles. Or I'll even take it one step further and just really taking a closer look at how much are you sitting a day, how active, how much are you moving in the first place. Maybe even Joey, the younger person who was currently a, an attorney who doesn't move as much as he did as a professional athlete may need to do more of those other auxiliary or accessory type of movements for that deadlift, which may benefit him even more. So getting back to the basics, but understanding that variations can be very important. Yeah. Like you said, with the, with the deadlift, you know, yeah, you're not going to every every time you want to do a hinge movement, it's not always going to be, you know, that hex bar deadlift. There's gosh probably hundreds of different variations of the deadlift like you said so yeah you do get variety in the movement itself but you're still practicing that archetype yeah and you say hundreds of different variations i completely agree but i want to make sure that people understand where we're coming from with the coach's eye which is sometimes i'll have an athlete with their foot slightly out when they're doing a movement and that's fine. It works for them. It might not be the way that I do it or their legs can be more, let's say, hip width apart as opposed to shoulder width apart. Again, I tend to let the athlete find where they feel most comfortable, where the movement feels good for them. And so even within a movement, there can be many different variations on how we actually move. Yeah, I have um, my two, my morning gals, Tina and Sarah, and although they train together, I see so many uh, variations in the same, like Matt saying, the same movement, but they're two different people and that's okay. And they might, I might give them the same movement, but they're going to do it in their own way that works for them where they're getting the max benefit from, from what they're doing for that day. So yeah, it's important to be able to be a little bit flexible there as the coach and say, okay, well you may not look like her doing that, but that's okay because you're still hitting every principle that I want you to hit. It's just in your own, your own pattern and that's all right. Yeah. It, I, I want to talk for a second, though, about it's going to sound like I'm throwing stones. You knew I was going to bring this up. I'm not I'm not saying any one person or talking about any one trainer out there or training system. You guys know there's several different systems that are all great. They don't have to be my way to be great. I think as long as there's science behind the training, as long as it works for the people who are doing it, it's it's fantastic. But that being said, I feel like variation, there's chaos and there's confusion about variation. And what I mean by that is 
you're going to shock the body and by shocking the body just every day we're just going to throw different movements at you we're just throwing the kitchen sink at you every day but if it's not thought out getting back to those archetypes you may not be working on the archetypes in a balance the way your body needs it and that's the problem with it you may have lifted really heavy the day before and now you're going into another just sort of hodgepodge workout that can be too heavy again on the same areas and you need to recover more. So getting back to that recovery. So will I do a hip hinge type of movement two days in a row? Absolutely. Will I go as heavy as I can two days in a row on that deadlift? No. So th that can be a big, big difference in training. So. I will say when I say this can be controversial is be aware that you get what you pay for. And this month we've been seeing so many programs coming out there and even clients of ours saying, hey guys, we we absolutely love your program. It's, it's basic, the program we sent out this month because body weight training only because we are giving people things they can do in their home. But hey, I was just wondering, I'm training for this, whatever it is, this rowing season in six months. And I would really like to make it specific for rowing, I think. So you can you send me something on that? And that's called, that's your specialized training, okay? So as an example of that, my answer is no, not right now. We don't need that right now. You need to focus on general purpose progressions. And of course, I know this athlete I'm talking about. So I know she needs to work on the fundamentals first again. And has she worked on them in the past? Of course, she works on them every single year after her season is over. And that's why I think it's actually a perfect time for her to work on those things now. But do we need to specialize early, for example? No, we don't need to specialize early, but we certainly want to have a plan. We want to know what we're working towards. And we also want to know that we're working in balance with our bodies. So just be wary of when you have programs that are shocking your body every day and just ask yourself, is, is this actually, is there a plan? Is there a structure behind this? Or is this just chaos? Is yeah. just is this this complete nonsense for, for me to be doing right now? And I think that very much like, guys, if I went to go get my car worked on my truck, this actually happened to me a couple months ago, where I didn't know the first thing about what was wrong with my truck. And I had one mechanic that he was a nice guy. He was going to do all this work. Remember that? And it was going to, it was going to be an investment, but it was going to be worth it in the long run just to keep my truck running. And, and I wouldn't have to go buy a new truck. And I almost, almost turned my truck in to get the work done. But I got a second opinion from a mechanic I really trust. And, and lo and behold, he's also a little bit more expensive. And I asked him what he thought and he said, oh, well, you want to first try this because this could be the real problem. And he was right. And what it was is just basically I was really, really low on coolant antifreeze. It, he had to flush out the system in my truck, but it saved me thousands of dollars and there was essentially nothing really wrong with my truck. So what do I mean by all that is that you aren't expected to know all of these details and variations for training programs if you're that this isn't your profession but i think that we give too much trust a lot of times to the professionals and saying well there must be a reason well sometimes it's just a lack of understanding even by that professional that has not they don't have a lot of experience they might have great genetics they might have just a box gym they opened up it didn't take a ton of investment they don't have the years behind the experience behind even a degree so there's a lot of things that come into this so i would always strongly influence people to look at those influencers and dig in a little bit what kind of results has that trainer or influencer what kind of results have they gotten with people actual real world results start there and take a closer look if they don't have a lot of years experience and tons of testimonials i think it's time to move on yeah you just have to make your training count and for for yourself and not worry so much what other people are doing but really take an individual perspective and yes ask yourself you know is this training effective am i using my time and energy 
the way that's going to benefit me the most. And that answer may not come so easily at first, but if you really pay attention and and listen to your body and, and focus, then I think you can be pretty in tune with what you're going to need. Yeah. And when it comes to nutrition, these variables are also really important. I have certain staples that I absolutely believe in in my program. I know that I'll get good energy, a lot of bang for my buck, power foods, I call them oftentimes, that I rely on. And I will eat those foods throughout my entire life. It's what works for me. There's variation that I'll throw in, especially with, say, Colors of the Rainbow, where we're trying to make sure that we get in, say, some red bell pepper as opposed to the green ones or yellow ones we've been eating. Just a little bit of variation there goes a long ways. So just coloring up the salad and putting different spices on our foods and just different ways of cooking, steaming uh, broccoli and things like this, or even just just simple methods that make that variation bring a new taste or a new approach to our food so we don't get bored with it. But that being said, food is another area where we need to really take into account the variations that we're putting we're putting into our lives and why. So if you're jumping onto a new diet, why? Because I've always said athletes eat and train. They don't diet and exercise. And when I'm talking to you, you the listener right now, I am talking to you as an athlete. I don't care if you've never competed. We're all meant to function as athletes function. And that is something that we a lot of times I think misinterpret as well when it comes to, well, I'm not, I'm not training for the Olympics, so I'm not, I don't need to eat that way. We all are built to eat the way that an, an elite athlete would eat. We all should be eating the same way. Maybe not as many calories because we're not training as much as they are. Maybe the demands aren't as specific. So that last one to 3% performance gain they want may be something we don't need to worry about or absolutely is something we probably don't need to worry about. But other than that, the basics, the fundamentals are still going to be the same. And I don't feel like we need as much variation there. And when I say variation, I mean what works for you as far as getting in good nutrition. I don't mean variation in different types of foods that you want to experiment with that are whole, real, nutritious foods. Yeah, as we've mentioned before, I'm, I'm not a cook, never have been, but that's why I love sticking to the basics like eggs, for example. I mean, how many different recipes can you make with an egg I mean countless and then beans are another thing and you know yeah you could make a good chili you could make bean soup you can make I mean bean salad cold hot however you want to do it pasta tying the pasta in with with the veggies I mean that's typically our our pasta sauce that I make has you know any array of sauteed or roasted veggies and you throw that on pasta and, and there's your dinner so yeah I think having your, your go-to foods that you like, but then thinking, yeah, how can I switch this up a little bit, still getting the same quality out of the, the food, the same quality nutrition out of those eggs, but instead of just scrambling some eggs, how can I make something with these eggs that will still have everything I want, but maybe, yeah, just a little more exciting because you haven't had it every week. Yeah, and speaking of variation, you used to make just, regular pasta meals and dishes now you get a different kind of pasta that has protein in it and that's what kind is that um there's several brand names but the one that i find that i like the best is the chickpea pasta so uh, i can't remember the one that i have now the, the actual brand name of it but like i said you go to the store and now thankfully they've come up with so many different varieties that it's much more available but the kind that yes that we've been eating recently is a chickpea base and it's high fiber high protein and it's gluten-free so it hits all the the marks that i need to to keep matt happy and then as far as mia and myself who don't necessarily have those those issues that matt does it's fine she i don't hear any difference of from her as far as taste or anything like that she she likes it just fine and i feel like it's better because you're getting a little more protein and fiber out of it yeah and when you speak about variation i just want to finish this section with performance 
if you have a race coming up, always stick with what works for you in your quality training days. Don't try something new the day of a a race or a competition. And the same really is true for when you have something as a set point that works for you and you have those staple foods, you may just want to add let's say one new food into a program. So you really know how it affects your recovery, how it affects your overall energy and just how you feel. Because when I eat potatoes, for example, which when I was younger, I ate tons and tons of starches, but I I just would feel so sluggish afterwards. And I had to realize that it wasn't about getting rid of the potatoes, actually. I switched over to more sweet potatoes, but also it was timing for me in that sense where if I'm going to have some potatoes, it's going to be more in the Uh, after, let's say, a distance run that I've done, more towards even the end of the day, which I know a lot of people are surprised by that. Are you going to have starches at the end of the day? Guys, we've said this many times, but I'll say it again. It does come down to total calories. And actually, when I have starches at the end of the day, I sleep better. So I don't want to feel bogged down and just tired and fatigued in the middle of the day, which I used to, just because I was told, well, you're a runner and you're doing a lot of miles. You should get in more potatoes, more starches. So I did. And then I'd feel sluggish. So now I actually time it out a little bit more to have those potatoes at night. Yeah. And that goes back to knowing yourself and being in tune with your body that may not just happen overnight where all of a sudden you realize, oh, I shouldn't eat that food. Now I'm going to eat it at another time of the day. It's going to take a little bit of practice if you've never really thought of that before. So just be patient with it. And yeah, it may not work out the first time or the second time, but eventually you're going to realize like, oh yeah, this works great for me before my workout. This works great for me after my workout. And this works great for me any time of the day. So just practice with that and, you know, even keep a journal if you want. Like I ate this and then I worked out and I felt like this. And then from there, you can just, you know, again, it might take you a few days, weeks, whatever it takes you, but you will eventually have a have a pretty good idea of, of what your body needs. Man, you just nailed it. The, the journaling. I just log, log, log. It is so important and you don't have to do it forever. In fact, you and I were just talking this morning that we are going to log our nutrition this week for the entire week along with our training. And no, it's not something that I want to do for the rest of my life. Life, Absolutely not. And you were actually kind of resistant to it saying, I don't really want to do that. But every once in a while, we want to know our set point. It is also a way that we can have some solid numbers to just go off of to even help other people. In other words, the more we learn about ourselves and what's working, why is it working? It tends to give us some ideas for our clients too. Not that they're going to have the same foods and the same calories as us, but it does open up the door to some new ideas. So once in a while, we're getting that set point and we're logging. But with training progressions, I do want to make sure that I'm focused on what I haven't been doing if I really want to get to that next level to find a good balance in my body, whether that be my recovery or my training or my nutrition or a combination of those things. It's what haven't I been doing lately? So I try to ask my athletes these questions at least once a month to review their programming for the following month so we can set up something that will work even better for them and move them along so that they're not getting stagnant in their training. So just remember that when it comes to training progressions or health and fitness progressions, It's like most things in life. You probably want to start focusing on the thing you haven't been doing lately if you want to get more effective at something you're not as efficient in lately. So for example, I'll give an example here on just my trail running as of late. I'm getting in a lot more trail running, really enjoying this time I have. That's one of the silver lining things I get to enjoy. And yeah, I'm still working as much, but I realize how much bringing it back to the basics for me, that trail running is really effective for my mindset for the rest of my day and my week even. But that's a variation coming off of the roads, which I was doing a little bit more before because I was 
a little bit more focused on my pacing for a while when I was competing. So this has been a nice variation for me. Then at some point, I will have to get on the track or the road and get in some splits. And that variation is going to serve some better racing times for me in the future. But the true answer is that it's it lies in between oftentimes when we need certain variations and we don't want to just stick with only one thing or another. Yeah, again, I guess we mentioned the variety several times throughout this this episode, but it does really play an important role because you need to have a plan, you know, that makes sense for you, and that's going to be a balance of, you know, how much variety versus too much and I need to need to be able to know what's going to benefit me the most. So yeah, and going back to doing what you're not used to for a little while, there's the variety you might need to kind of kickstart your, your system again and, you know, see a, see a difference. Yeah. So the natural athlete is, is sort of the final topic I really wanted to discuss today. And, um, you know, how is it that we can get our current methods to work better and serve us better? There's so much new technology out there and the science behind the training is more specific than it's ever been. But also on the flip side of that, it's like it's so much information and it reminds me of that trying to get drink water from a fire hose right? It's just, it's so much to take in and absorb. And oftentimes I feel like we're just, we're overloading ourselves with too much of a good thing. Yeah. I've never used any kind of technology in my training. I don't own, well, I own a Garmin now because that was your hand-me-down because one of (laughs) Matt's clients got him a a really nice Garmin. So I got the also very nice version, but thank you, Bill Rogers. Yes, Bill. Thank you. Um, Honestly, I've not used it. It's been sitting in my office for, I don't know, six, seven months now. And it's not that I am resistant to that. I just honestly never thought about it. I wasn't ever, you know, into the tech so much. So for me, it's like, well, I don't even really think about that. I kind of, you know, I have an idea of of my heart rate because of just years of training. And I kind of have an idea of my pace when I'm running. And sure, I, I, I have an idea of it, but I'm not really so concerned about the specifics. But for those of you that are, if that's kind of your personality and, and, or if you need to know, like Matt saying, if you're, if you're coming up on, on an event where, yeah, you need to know what your pace is, you need to know how you're running or for me, for a Spartan, even then I never really tracked that, but I could kind of know like, okay, I'm, I'm fit. I know what I'm, I know what I can do, um, without having to, to see the numbers. So for me, I don't know if I'm in the minority there, but honestly, the tech just kind of gets in the way (laughs) for me i would rather just not have to even worry about it so much yeah some of the most elite athletes that i've had the pleasure at least to work around sometimes work with but shalane flanagan comes to mind offhand where she actually just uses her a good old-fashioned watch and just a lot of times goes off of her her perceived effort in getting back to the basics. And you're talking about somebody who's set national records and been one of the best athletes in the world in her sport, which is 10,000 meters to now the marathon. And she really followed that more organic approach. And that's what I call the Zatos, which is Emil Zotopek. He's back in the day he was an amazing, amazing runner. I don't care if you don't follow running, if you if you don't really get it, okay? Just this guy, he won the 5,000 meters in the Olympics, the 10,000 meters, and the marathon, all in one Olympics. There's, there's never been another guy like him. And back in that day, he was actually in the military training in his boots in the woods and just doing the equivalent of 400 repeats but not having any idea what those 400 meter times were really he would just recover and then hit it again recover hit it again he didn't go off of pacing he didn't go off of those type of things and then he would show up and go to the world stage and just crush everybody and i think that a lot of times we are so concerned with pacing i get that as clients are asking me what the best progression for them would be when it comes to their pacing they want to know how they can improve their 5k time and the simple answer is well 
first of all, have you been running trails lately? Have you been running easy enough lately? Because I will tell you that if anything, using a watch to me, you can become a slave to it. But if anything, I would suggest using it for brief periods of your training, say three to six weeks max. And then, and I'm talking about a GPS watch with measurement or being on the track with those specific measurements. And then the rest of the time, I would be back to those basics a little bit more. Yeah, don't let it get in the way of, again, this is the thing we've brought up several times in this episode, but getting to know yourself and being in tune with your body. Don't let a form of technology tell you when you've recovered enough or tell you that you need to be working harder unless it's a very specific plan or reason for that because you need to rely on your own body versus a piece of equipment telling you what you should be doing if that makes sense yeah in the mats minutes i mentioned for cardio or for conditioning we also have that for our strength training. In other words, we throw the reps out and we're looking more at total, you know, what's your time under tension and what is that per set? Because I'll have one person tell me they did 12 to 20 reps in a set and another person tell me they did six to 12. And yet that could be the same exercise, the same amount of time because one person is simply just going faster using more momentum in a set, which by the way, isn't necessarily wrong or a bad thing, but I want a lot of variation in training progression so that athletes can make the most out of their training. And again, when I say athletes, I'm talking to you. And so when we throw the reps out, we tend to focus a lot more on things like mind to muscle connection and just the quality of the movement that we're doing in the time we have to do it. What I find a lot of times is my athletes that are trying to get to say 40 seconds on a set and they were used to doing, let's say 60 to 75 seconds, or in other words, they were doing a lot of stuff in the... 20 to 30 rep range. Now they're getting in a higher quality movement with, let's say, more of a strength demand. And they may be fatiguing at 30 seconds and taking a quick break and then getting in another good quality rep or two before that 40 seconds is over. Because when the time's over, it's time for them to move on to the next thing or the next set. So I love to work off of minutes instead of reps, just mostly so that we're focused on what works for us as a natural athlete, bringing us back to the basics. And again, just kind of getting off of the numbers. Yes, I think that's a good point. I always used to be very concerned about the the numbers as in reps. You know, how many reps am I getting of this movement at this weight? And then it is kind of freeing to just say, okay, I'm going to set the timer for a minute and I have up to a minute to get this set done and then it just kind of slows things down a little bit and it's not as much pressure and you have a full minute and then I think again quality quality over quantity again hits that hits right there absolutely supplements we got to talk about supplements for a minute so being transparent I took way too many supplements especially 10 years ago and we've talked about this before but to review Even with having Mia uh, as a dad, I don't want Mia growing up thinking that she needs to take all these different supplements to have the fitness that you and I have. And you as a mother has been, you've been an inspiration to me too, though, because you've never been a supplement person. And I just thought, okay, I have to follow that trend as well. I don't want Mia seeing us doing two different things. Yeah, I just kind of like with the technology aspect, uh, the supplements never really were interesting to me. I thought it was just kind of a a hassle, (laughs) I guess, kind of like the technology. I didn't want to have to rely on something outside of what was easy for me to to get. And not that supplements aren't easy to get. I guess to me, it's like, I don't like having all these different bottles in my cabinet and I have to take, you know, these things every day and I have six different pills I need to take and the powders and the pre-workout and the, you know, I just, to me is just very unappealing. And, um, I, one time, I mean, I do drink coffee, so maybe that's my pre-workout, you know, my cup, cup or two of coffee in the morning is just great for me. Even years and years ago when I bartended and I thought one night I'm going to drink this Red Bull so I can, you know, have some energy tonight. It 
it messed me up. I did not enjoy that experience. I was sweaty and my heart rate was up and I didn't, I, I, I just couldn't, I don't like that feeling. And as far as I hear, and I'm sure there's people that are far more experienced than myself in this, but that's kind of what a pre-workout does. And I, I don't, that doesn't sound appealing to me, but yeah, yeah. And the supplements just more hassle for me than, than the benefit. Well, yeah, and there's the gateway to it too. And it sounds like we're, I'm even trying to be funny here, but I'm not. When you take something like caffeine, you're talking about that being, uh, maybe you have your coffee in the mornings. And we just this morning were discussing how we have been making that second pot of coffee between the two of us uh, some mornings. And partially it's because we uh, are around the house more and around the office more. And, and we are just kind of wanting something really that's warm. And so instead we're switching over to tea with, or just hot water with lemon in it. And that's a good, uh, just an alkaline drink. That's, that's great to be able to have that in our daily process instead of having coffee all day, for example. But the caffeine does become potentially i think a nocebo effect yeah what you're saying you know you don't really need that extra cup of coffee or that extra two cups of coffee um and in fact by the end of the day on those days where i have had quote unquote too much coffee i I don't feel so great so it can it can go the other way too where too much of a good thing turns bad pretty quickly yeah, and I, I have a high blood pressure runs in my family. I've been noticing as I'm working more to get work on the ebook and our app and the, these programs, uh, the newsletter, all these things that are, I mean, I absolutely love what I do for my day and for a living, but I do feel like I've got to be sharp sometimes and on it. So I will grab that extra cup of coffee. And then, of course, you're going to grab a little bit of coffee before you go to do your, say, your strength workout. And before you know it, you're starting to get uh, three, four, five, six hundred milligrams a day. And uh, that's that's gotten to be too high at times for me. And then my stomach feels queasy and uneasy and I feel nervy. And quite honestly, that's when I can also get pretty moody or just one minute I feel good and then next I'm just getting super irritated and I can't even really explain why and then I think back at my day and go well of course uh, even some nights when I've had trouble sleeping and you ask me what's um, what what happened why did you have trouble sleeping and then I can think back usually it's because yeah I just I drank coffee too late in the day I shouldn't have done that yeah like I said too much of a good thing isn't good anymore (laughs) Yeah, and when it comes to our supplements in our cupboard, I'm proud to say now that I I, ha- I like I like to have protein shakes around, um, protein powders around, which you know really you're just talking about the whey and casein that you're getting from milk in those products, and it makes it a little bit more convenient at times. I don't use that every single day. A lot of during the day, a lot of times I will use Brain Shake, and that's from Nutrient. I'm not sponsored by them, but I do. I love their product. And uh, Beck, if you're listening, thank you for keeping me informed about what Nutrient's been doing. It does help me sometimes to get a little bit of that edge, that one, two, three percent that I feel like I need um, in the middle of my day, and it doesn't bog me down like the potatoes would. And so I like that, but I try not to do it every day. And while I certainly don't do it every day, the supplements that I do think that I have around are effective and they're not just a waste of money. Man, I wish that I had known those things. Ironically, when I was younger, I had less money and I was spending too much of my budget on supplements because I thought that I needed them. And that can be, you can be a real slave to that, in my opinion. Like when I'd have a new PR, whether it be lifting in the gym or out on the track, but I was taking something along with it you do start to associate that with your PR. And that's what I mean by nocebo effect. And we want to be careful of that. So I feel much better the way I'm doing things now, knowing that when I'm getting stronger, it's all me. When I'm getting more fit, it's all me. When I feel good, it's because of the good choices I made. And you know what's funny is I didn't end up losing the strength and the muscle and the speed that I thought I would by getting off of some of these products. Yeah, just relying on yourself and your fitness versus some outside factor that you think is is helping you along the way. 
Yeah, vitamin D3, magnesium, citrate, and protein. Those are the, the protein powder. Those are the three things. Um, well, and I guess you would say caffeine, coffee, but we are trying to limit that. But that's the three things, really, that we're taking. Just don't buy into, by the way, taking pre-workout, you know, during your workout and post-workout, all that stuff. It's just, it's silly. And most pre-workout supplements, you're spending really good money on really cheap ingredients like caffeine. Yeah. Like I say, I've never, I've never taken the pre-workout, but I, I can't speak personally on that experience. Well, I'm glad you can't. That's good. And let's just finish with uh, the gym versus nature. This is this is an interesting topic for me and for I, for us. We we own a gym, so again, it's kind of funny that I say we don't necessarily want to be in the gym though in fact we really want to make sure that our training um just supports the goals outside of the gym but i really do mean that and lifting weights for example in the gym is going to help me with my obstacle course race in the future. It's going to help support my running gait. It's going to be there to help me access the strength and the power and the benefits that I need in performance. And then, of course, all the different energy system development needs my body has, not just in performance. Uh, so I, I really believe in weights. I believe that we need to stress our bodies in the right way. And let's just face it, the gym does... When I say the gym, in other words, weights, I mean, you could have a home gym or just any of the things that you do to put that stress on your body outside of your sport. We'll just label that right now as cross training. Okay. So any of this, these kind of training effects that you're putting onto your body, it, they do have a positive purpose with a plan. That's for sure. But ultimately, I want to work on, say, the stability around my shoulder so that I can throw that spear more accurately and pivot my body properly in that obstacle course race so I hit the target and I'm able to finish my race, hopefully, in first. And that is my goal. And if I miss that target, odds are, especially at this level of competition that uh, OCR is getting to, like Spartan is getting to, and I probably can't miss even one obstacle if I want to win. But more importantly and organically, we are meant to throw a spear. It brings us back to the fundamentals of we are training to lift our bodies off the ground like in a pull-up. We're training to get our bodies off the ground like in a squat and push off the ground like in a burpee or something like that. So we are training for all these different performance goals, realizing that really that just means athletic goals just really means functional. So when I say athlete, when I say athletic, I'm talking about true functionality. I think that's why the the OCR, the Spartan, is so appealing to me. It's that it's you. It's just your body. You know, yeah, you are pulling some weights that that you need to, you know, like the hork hoist, for example, or the plate drag or things like that. But most of it is you. I mean, it's just your body and, and how can you move it in the best and most efficient way. And I, it's really, I, I like the idea that it's kind of up to you. And although the gym does have a place, like Matt said, in that of the weights to, to get you stronger, but you need to get out in nature and actually put those into practice so you know how that feels. And it's just this great sense of accomplishment. Like, oh, I can I can do this, you know? And you kind of you do get that in the gym, I guess, to a certain degree, if you, if you accomplish like a heavier lift that you haven't done before or a new movement. And that's exciting too. But for me... I think it's really important to to bring that outside and how does that translate into into the the other parts of my life? Yeah, and if I spend all of my training time in four walls, I can tell you that my attitude is not the best. Even though I can get really excited like you said about a new PR or even getting into a new movement that I feel good about, I love the pump I feel even, right? Or it just, you know, I mean, look, I can still be uh, a traditional guy and meathead and and like when I get a good pump in my biceps or something but really what makes me happiest is when I get out there in nature and I'm running these canyons and trails and discovering a new route I can go 
that ultimately is what kind of feeds me. And when I do those things, I get more creative. I can help people more because I'm getting those fundamentals and those basics in on a, a more organic level. And I feel like that is so important rather than just worrying about whether or not I'm going to see my abs next week. But ironically, that's what I keep trying to tell people is if you if you want those kind of aesthetics, the athletics will serve that. And you really want to get back to those basics, get outdoors, climb and run and sprint and overcome obstacles. So I, you know, I know obstacle racing isn't for everybody. And I certainly have no stake in obstacle racing like I wish I had actually you know started something like that myself back in the day we we've talked about that maybe someday we'll have our own version of something like this but it's it really is I think a great way to come up with goals for yourself and even going to something like a sprint like you originally did realizing that wow I'm a fit person but I need to get better at these things and I didn't even realize it like your pull up and your running and things like that yeah, it's important not just as a as a trainer or a coach, but just as a person in general to to kind of push your limits and understand what you're good at and what what you're not good at, and then a way to improve on those things. And I, I feel as a coach, if I'm coaching people here in the gym on certain things, like I need that experience outside of the gym to say, hey, I've done these things, and here's here's my experience, and and hopefully that will help somebody in their journey as well. Yeah, and for the most part, a gym is a sterile environment. So you're lifting weights, but there's no real danger. I mean, of course, if you lift poorly and you're trying to lift as heavy as you can and your mechanics aren't sound, you can you can get hurt. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more about if you don't pick your feet up, if you don't maneuver, if you don't get agile, if you don't have that sort of proprioceptive awareness, that agility in your mind and your body, that neuromuscular facilitation that that your body is born to thrive in, if you don't have that possibility of getting hurt, if there's no danger involved whatsoever, then I, I think that you're probably actually getting deconditioned even when you think you are conditioning in a sterile environment. So uh, my last example with this, and then I'll leave it to you to finish off today's show, is when I am working with uh, well, runners are notorious for this. So I'm going to pick on my runners here. Um, I actually had a boxer too that I worked with, not Joey. Joey was a very good agile athlete, I will say. But uh, one of my other boxers, where I was amazed when we got out on the trails and we got off of that that sterile environment where there was no tripping hazards and there's no possibility really of getting hurt how much performance they were losing. And this was when I started to really shift some rules for, for them because I wanted them to see the benefits. And one of them was two days a week, you should be on the trails, at least two days. And even for my runners that are going into, say, track and they're doing, um, say, an 800 or a mile, uh, those type of races, they still should be running cross country. They still should be overcoming rocks and roots and developing that kind of awareness because their bodies make several more adjustments. If you're used to uh, being on a spin bike, for example, that's a great training session. Don't get me wrong. That can be, I, I love doing stuff like that from time to time and even seeing how many Watts I can produce and what I can do. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a great way to push yourself, right? So there's nothing wrong with that, but the, the problem is that you're definitely, you, there's no danger you falling off your spin bike or very little danger. If, if you fall off your spin bike, there's really something wrong there. So uh, being outside though and having to keep yourself upright and maneuver and make sure that uh, you know you're you're not getting uh, you know you're not going to get in harm's way with traffic and and other riders and and uh, just having these different variables it's way different and your body I really truly believe makes a lot more adaptions just like running on the trails do so I used to I was told as a coach years ago, 
you're not having your athletes do enough quote unquote speed work on the track and you're not doing enough of these, uh, you know, these type of training sessions that are going to yield the times that they want to hit. But yet when we hit those, when we hit the track for four to six weeks, oftentimes closer to about four or five weeks, we would get the benefit we needed, but they came off of such a strong foundation from those that awareness that their body had to adapt and their feet were now so strong because of the trails that they ran and their their legs were just, you know, indestructible, it seemed like, compared to many other athletes that were a lot more vulnerable to pain and niggles and injuries and things like this because they had built from the inside out. So that's what I will finish with. What's your opinion? Um, I'm going to use the martial arts example again, uh, sparring. So live sparring versus hitting mitts or a bag. Um, it's been told to me by my many great martial arts instructors over the years, but a bag or a mitt is not going to hit you back. So you do get in this comfort zone of like, oh, I can hit this as hard as I can. I can kick it. I can do whatever. Cause you're not, you're not in any danger. So then you go into a live spar and you're like, whoa, that's a whole different world because people are trying to hit me and trying to kick me. So now I'm not only thinking about how I am performing my jab or my tie kick or my hook or whatever. I'm also thinking I got to be, you know, proactive here and I've got to block and I've got to move and I've got to get out of the way. And that's where you really hone your skills is in the live sparring so yeah you do need that foundation of knowing the technique on the mitt and the bag and that has its place but at a certain point you do have to turn that into the real world live sparring so it really tests the techniques you've learned and that's where you you mentally i think even more than physically you grow a lot during that that process it's always a very or it was for me you know pretty scary starting out which i don't i don't know if i've ever talked to anybody that was not at least a little bit apprehensive starting out in that the sparring but um so much fun you know once you you get get into that and you realize how much it expands your your skill set all right guys we want to hear from you we've been talking about what works for us we want to get your questions we're doing q a series especially in the next couple weeks we're going to be focusing on that and we do have some good questions that we're reviewing and getting ready to answer in fact today's podcast was still based off of ultimately questions that a lot just general questions that a lot of our clients and people we know friends and family have been asking us so we made this into topics that we could talk about today but if you specifically want to get your question featured on this podcast please write in and you can ask for matt's opinion aaron's opinion or both of our opinions i mean you'll probably get my opinion whether you're asked or not but you can you can direct a question towards one of us or even jake or billy and just let us know what it is that you want to learn more about where can they reach us so you can email us at pendolaproject at gmail.com. Um, that's checked frequently by myself or Jake. So we'll be sure to keep checking that and get get those questions in order. Yeah, we'd really like to hear what you guys are thinking and, and where your minds are and, you know, help you the best way we can. So, yeah, please send us send us some questions. Pendolaproject at gmail.com. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Well said, you two. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pendola Project. Work plus rest equals success. I hope you have some more ideas on how the rest really impacts the work that you do. You put the two together. What do you have? You have success. Hopefully, you're finding ways to move more and more efficiently. I hope your nutrition is staying on point and you're not just reaching for that bag of Doritos or whatever it is you like. Honestly, for me, it's chips and salsa. I even found some chips that are made out of coconut flour, and it doesn't mean that they're necessarily good for me, but it's better than eating a whole bag of the regular Mexican restaurant-style tortilla chips. Then, we wish you much success in your work plus your rest. Check back with us on Monday for episode 70, Monday Motivation. In the meantime, get in touch. Email pendolaproject at gmail.com. Follow and DM us on Instagram at pendolaproject. And send in your voice memos if you'd like us to play it on the show. Thank you for listening. Talk to you on Monday.